Welcome to You're Making It Worse. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. We're here. We're queer. Uh. Meh. Textual healing. So TikTok, the social network video app that I feel Which like I still children have no use. idea what that it's is. for children. <laughs> um, <laughs> for children and then like... Some drag queens. And it's fun. It's fun. I love it. You it's have fun. it. Yeah. You all, you have it too. I don't really use it, but I when I see I ones that go viral, mainly. I think they're fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they revealed recently. They admitted that they had a set of policies that suppress the reach of content created by users assumed to be quote vulnerable to cyberbullying. So an example of this was. Um, Facial disfigurement, autism, Down syndrome, and disabled people or people with some facial problems like birthmarks or a squint. Um, so <clears throat> this this German site called Netz, Netzpolitik, Netzpolitik, <laughs> uh, yeah, whatever. very German. Yeah, name. <laughs> they reported that TikTok asked these asked moderators to watch 15 second videos and decide if this if their creator or the creator of the videos looked like somebody who might get bullied. Um, and so they were flagged. These people were, yeah. <laughs> they flagged users um, who, people with and without disabilities, whose bios included hashtags like uh, hashtag fat woman, hashtag disabled, or rainbow flags, right. or like other LGBTQ identifiers. Marginalized people. Yeah. yeah. Creepy, huh? It's, it was, it, 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 it is. It's very, it's very yeah. creepy. Uh, obviously, I guess, fundamentally, in theory, Th- they're doing it for the right I guess. reason, but it's 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 of course unacceptable. Yeah, and TikTok said somebody t- at TikTok said this approach was never intended to be a long term solution. I mean, listen, this TikTok thing, it is yeah, I mean, it's fun. It is fun, but it is an incredibly unregulated platform owned by a is massive Chinese company. Yeah, yes. right, conglomerate. It's right. owned by a massive, massive Chinese conglomerate <laughs> who has very little care about in infringing on people's freedom of speech rights yeah. in the United States. They don't give a fuck who they who they take off, who they add on, who they offend. It doesn't matter to them because right. at the end of the day it's all about money and these people will create a newer profile and probably be blocked at some point again. Right. And so yeah, it's it's I get what you're saying, Brent, that yeah, fundamentally there's something good about what they're trying to do. But that said, this is TikTok is a shit show waiting to implode in the next couple of years if it's not somehow reg- regulated in some capacity. Well, it's also it also would be like if Facebook was like, okay, well, we can't have black people on our platform because KKK members are on exactly. here. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like you can't, I mean, that's just it's just bad logic and you can't do it. It's bad logic and it's not how the internet works and it's not how the internet works in the United States where most and also most European countries, it is only in one area of the world where they want to take the information put onto TikTok and then twist it or deny its access to viewers. And that's China. And it just happens to be that, that this company is a Chinese a company Chinese that owns company, TikTok right. who doesn't give a fuck. Does this company also own Grindr? Uh, it's a different yeah. company, but there is no. a Chinese yeah. gaming company that owns right. Grindr. I think it's a different company. I think so, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah but, but a Chinese company owns Grindr. Yeah. yeah. Right. 
And you know, not to say that Chinese companies are bad, but it right. they they have a different they're, set. Yeah, they're regulated by a different set of principles that don't include freedom of speech. Oh, it's funny because uh, uh, TikTok said. While the intention was good, the approach was wrong, and we've long since changed the earlier policy in, far, uh, in favor of more nuanced anti-bullying policies and protections. Uh, and then despite TikTok's statement, that German publication identified the rules were still in place in as far, as far back as September. As September yeah, right. and the thing is, this, this app became popular so quickly. So quickly. To the point that they're now doing backup work to try to make it feasible to be an actually successful app that has the longevity of an app like Instagram or mm-hmm. whatever. I, f- I don't fully I don't fully understand what it what it does it's essentially though. Essentially a new vine. So mm. it's videos that repeat but is is the lip syncing element the lip syncing just, just a, a niche fun, a part of it? The lip syncing element is primarily popular in the United States, also around the world, but because uh TikTok I believe in the United States was originally musically right. And it oh was a, yes, it was a that makes sense. App. Yes, and so there's a lot of it that's left over, but it's not exclusively a lip syncing app. It's right, a short form video editing. But is hype. music lips is lip syncing the thing that's blown up the most? No, no, I wouldn't even say that. I mean, I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, but I wouldn't say that is the thing that's generating the most traffic. Yeah. I mean, you have. Like, for example, probably one of the more popular uh, videos that come out of TikTok is the girl sort of crying while also singing or moving. She's like doing, she's like really sad and she's like, she's just moving. She's just trying, her body movements are supposed to be that she's happy, but yeah. her face is that she is so distraught That's and sad. That's fun to watch though. And it's, and it's no, fun. it is. I mean, truly. I mean, it's stupid fun, yeah. but it's like, it is what it is. And I don't think that had anything to do with lip syncing, if I yeah. remember correctly. Mm. So, I'm like, not interested and I won't be downloading. I was there, gonna but say, there are some fun, like there was one that I saw recently. It's, and again, it has nothing to do with lip syncing. There was one where um, in the video, this guy... <laughs> I can't oh stop laughing at it. <laughs> this guy is cutting down his tree in his front yard. It's a massive tree, like 100 feet tall. It's huge. And he's cutting it down, and he intended it to, <laughs> to go out into the street. Yeah, but, that, but those but videos said, are so but common. But instead, it falls. <laughs> it's like America's it's Funniest Home like Videos. Like an AFC and the guy's, the guy's voice is like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's so funny. That's, wait, that's so, so dumb. That's like so old school. I don't care. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. All right. I want to see if it even if <laughs> if, we, if if it would even download on your phone. <laughs> <Brent's> <laughs> My got phone a, is not that what old. What is it? A four? Oh. Two years old. But how is he going to get it on his iPod Shuffle? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> not even joking. Zeke Smith is here. Welcome, hey, Zeke. Hi, great to be here, Zeke, fellas. Uh, what, um, what's your main occupation? Uh, so my the way that I make money is I'm a day trader. Okay. Um, but like everyone in Los Angeles, I'm aspiring to be something, and for me, that is <laughs> to write for film and television. Oh. Yes. Contact me and my management for samples if you're interested. <laughs> um, well... The thing that you're oh, most know famous me from, for, right? Yeah. Yes, it isn't a career. Being sure, on reality sure. television is not a career. At least it should not be. <laughs> we should shame those who seek to make it so. Um, but I am a former uh, contestant on the show Survivor. I played. What a season were you on? I was on season 33, Millennials versus Gen X, where I was a millennial. Wow. And then I was on an All Star season, like immediately following, um, called Survivor Game Changers. Oh my god. And that's god. the one that. That's the one in which I was famously outed as transgender. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That's wild. So obviously that made news, national headlines. It did, yes. Um, and I admit I stopped watching Survivor 
maybe around like 12? Sure. Well, I, I think, watched for a while. You know, look, it had it's had its like, you know, orgasm. It came very early. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, 50 million people or whatever watched yeah. Naked Gay Richard Hatch win the million dollars. <laughs> yeah. and, and lose it. Yes. There was snakes and rats and then like whatever. Um, and then most of the world moved on. And then there was this like steadily declining number of people that still continue to watch Survivor. Yeah, it seems like there's a cult to this day. Yeah, it's still the most highly rated show on Wednesdays. It has never yeah. lost its time slot. They put it up against, they moved it from Thursdays to Wednesdays, so it would be up against Idol, and like, Idol got canceled. And I guess now yeah. it's back, but yeah. Survivor is always um, held very true. It, yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty much, I mean, the original like reality competition. I mean, it, it changed television. Yeah, and yeah. I love um, and we just lost. And Rudy. it's the reason we have Trump as president. It is. Well, yeah, this was Mark Burnett's yeah. like first <sighs> big yeah. hit. He had Eco Challenge, but that like no one cared. And then Survivor gave him all of the access to whomever. And then the and Apprentice came after that. Do you the think that? Came. Do, you really, yeah. do you think that? Do you guys all think that? Oh, I do. 100%. I do. Yeah, because yeah. I think if you, I mean, you're a New Yorker. I was a New Yorker for a limited time, but I feel like most people thought Trump was a joke. Well, yes. There's, there's a great book called Trump Revealed that essentially sets that up, where it talks about how toxic and vulnerable Trump was before Mark Burnett came to him. And even in that first season, you know, Trump, was sort of doing whatever Mark said because he had no authority to speak on. He had he had lost all his money. He was barely he was essentially just selling his name, whatever however he could. Right, sure. He's like a cartoon character that yeah. the Western people actually believed was the Monopoly man. Yeah. Um <laughs> right. Yeah. But no, like I'm I and now I feel bad about it, but I used to love the celebrity apprentice. Me too. Oh, I used to love the kidding? apprentice. When yeah. it first came on, Meatloaf? I loved it. Crying? Oh my god. <laughs> Meatloaf and Gary Busey. Gary Busey. And, yeah. Uh, that Joan Rivers been... calling somebody a pit viper. Uh, yeah. Oh, you're, she goes, you're a polka player. Yeah, polka player. It's so a good. Polka player. The formula for The Apprentice was great, but the image in which Mark Burnett went out of his way to sort of paint Trump as this wildly successful for like mm. no big deal, the bankruptcy. Like, let's just talk about how successful. Well, yeah, he I mean, is. but that's right. all of TV. It is. It but... wouldn't matter if he hadn't become president. It is, but it wasn't to the degree of framing it around re. One person, one. I mean, you have like the housewives. Well, yeah, these people redeem themselves because they have access to whatever, but there's five of them and it doesn't mm-hmm. really matter. They have mm-hmm. no real power. Yeah. That show was showing, oh, this man has power. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like has the ability to move mountains and build and buildings. You, and, and you believe yeah. it, right? Like the 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 distinction I like to make. So my, my boyfriend's on a television show. His, his name is Inco Santos. He's on NBC Superstore. And we will both get approached by people. And when he gets approached, people are like, oh, I love you on that show. And there's clearly some sort of separation that like the undocumented retail store worker that he portrays is not actually who he is. Yeah. Whereas with me, people come up and they feel like they know me because they understand that I'm the guy from television. Huh. And I was made, like my character is made to be very like, earnest and aw shucks and inspiring and I think you'll soon find that I'm you know a trash box garbage can (laughs) Uh, but still people think they're like oh what a swell fella he is and I think that's what they believe with Trump is like oh no it's reality television this is who he is and being told he's a successful businessman so of course he is so so before we get into the the um, the Jeff Varner of it all did you enjoy your time on Survivor the first time and the, or or the second time? Oh sure, yes, I did. So I guess my background was I was a huge Survivor fan. Yeah. And for me, mm-hmm. like 
Oh God, this I haven't told the story in a bit. Um, so for me, I really fell in love with Survivor when I was recovering from chest surgery, mm-hmm. um, where you're just like hopped up on Percocet, and mm. you know I transitioned like 12 years ago. This is back before anybody knew what a trans guy was. I didn't. I like I was all sorts of queer in high school, but even I didn't know what a trans guy was until I showed up at college when I was 18 years old in Massachusetts, and they were like, "Yeah, yeah, we think." You're you're probably not a lesbian. You're, you're probably a trans guy. Yeah. Um. And, and anyway, so yes, I had to leave school. I was depressed. I was isolated. I had no friends. I just had my pain meds and season after season of Survivor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did um, you go back home? I did. Well, I yeah. Um. Ugh, it's complicated. My parents sort of had to move away from where I'm from, which is from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um. So like, I was home, but not the home I grew up. In. Yeah. Got it. Uh. And I, th- you know, and I, I, I. I had to leave school. I was super depressed. I had like gained all this weight and I thought watching Survivors, I was like, I want to gain strength. Like one day I want to be able to go do Survivor. And I did. That's sort of how I like got, like I beat the, 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 the debilitating depression is I would like go run around in the hills behind the house and like build shelters mm. and like use an axe and make fire. And it was a stream that I had um, that had been playing in the background. And then I lived in New York for many years and I did comedy. And uh, eventually I sort of, convinced myself that it was a good idea to go um, apply to be on Survivor. Um, I would say like part of the story is also I transitioned in college and everyone knew and it was a big thing and like I was in the papers and it was a lot and then I um, when I moved to New York like all my shit was in order mm-hmm. and I, I had a very bad mustache at the time but it was coming in mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and nobody knew I was trans. I was just this dude named Zeke and I was like this is great. This is fabulous. This is lovely. And not really having any sort of like other older trans guy to explain how to live life to me. I just didn't tell anybody except the people that I slept with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like even very, very close friends. I yeah. did not tell for many years. Um, so applying for reality television, having this, you know, deep, deep, deep secret. Uh, <laughs> like not just any reality television show, no. by the way. Like a show in which you like by definition run around in your underwear. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you you live by the elements. I mean, it's it's a wildly extreme show. horrible. Did that provide you anxiety? Anxiety? To think about, like, what if I'm on this show and, like, there's, and... Someone notices well, a scar I think I just Yeah, well, I, I had sort of, like, a plan for that, but I just... It had been not a source of anxiety for so long, because I had been living n- as a non-disclosing trans person for so long. I was like, this is just fine. And, and also, I was prepared for something to happen. I was like, something happens, we'll just have... It'll, I'll deal with it at the time. Um, so, right. I go through the application process. They they love me. I'm very excited. This is the most exciting thing that's ever happened. I get out there. I have so much fun the first time to give the long answer to your first question. Yeah. Um, it was a blast. It was so much fun. Yeah. Um, I, I get I get voted out on day 33 of 39. Um, mm-hmm. And Jeff's like, the drive has spoken. And, you know, <laughs> right. looks me in my yeah. eyes and puts out the candle. Right. Push out my dreams. And then. <laughs> yeah. The torch, not the candle. It's a candle. <laughs> Whatever you like. Um, and then I like walk around and gave my like, ah, shucks, I lost. I'll get him next time. Um, and then I feel a tap on my shoulder and I look and there's Mr. Jeff Probst and he goes, come with me. And so we like walk into the jungle hand in hand. Oh. And he goes, Zeke, we loved you. We want you back for an all-star season. It starts filming in two weeks. And I go, 
let's go. Oh, let's go. I mean, I did not say yes that quickly. I said, bitch, I need a burger and a margarita <laughs> and like a night in a real right. bed. Wait, where were, where were you filming the, the first time we got? So Survivor, the first time I played, the second time I played, and now for all eternity is in Fiji. Oh, okay. It's on like got the it, same it. islands in Fiji. It's mm. now just like a survivor. Oh, it's like, just their uh, survivor playground. Oh, yeah. interesting. Uh, so did you get your burger margarita and then stay in Fiji? No, they sent me back to New York for two weeks. Oh, oh wow. my God. That's a yeah. long flight. A, just to... First class? No, God, no. Oh, wow. Really? But not only do they not fly you first class, you have to pay to check your bags if oh. you have a flight to get to LA. <laughs> Jesus. They do not give you a stipend like to and from the airport. You have to like have your friends drive you to and Wait, from the so airport. So you're like survivor in the real world too. Yeah. Now that I understand how talent on scripted is treated, yeah. it's another reason why I would never do a reality yeah. again. Yeah, that's wild. That is wild. Do you mind ask if we ask how much you get paid for that? Sure. So you get sort of like a base 10 grand if you follow all the rules and you show up at the live finale. Oh, okay. And that's like the money CBS gives you. And then starting at like getting, you know, then you make money based on your placement. Oh. So the first person out is guaranteed like two five. Um, so like if you're the first person out, you might, for being away for seven weeks, you will get $12,500, oh. which is taxed in enormous weight because rate because it's taxed as like gambling winnings yeah mm-hmm. um i all told made and i will not disclose either of these numbers all told <laughs> i made less for two seasons including everything that i went through than my boyfriend makes for doing one, one episode yeah. that's mm-hmm. insane and some weeks he's just in like half a page yeah. so he will go in for three hours on a friday afternoon mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he made more money than i made in four months in fiji not that's eating insane yeah it's yeah, so, crazy so what how i mean what was that did you the you, you're eating i mean what are you eating what what how does you're that not, work like you're you just you're not you may get like a handful of rice there maybe you'll have someone who's good with like the little spirit fishy thingy and you'll get like a couple of like mouthfuls of did you lose a, a lot fish. of weight um i did but Every now and again, you'll have a reward challenge. Um, mm. After like, like the first like twelve days, there will be a reward challenge, which typically the reward is food, mm-hmm. and typically the reward challenge ends like the most important part of it is a puzzle. And I'm really good and really fast at doing puzzles, so I would always win the reward challenges. Mm. So I would be in this vicious cycle of starving and binging and starving and binging. Yeah, mm-hmm. and your body goes into ketosis, like you know, like. Keto, yeah. yeah. Keto, baby. Yeah. Um, but it takes like, you know, 48 hours. People talk about the keto flu. So when you're just eating small amounts of rice and fish after 48 hours, your body does kick into that. And you do start losing a lot of fat. And also you don't have like the hunger pains. Yeah. Your brain will race with visions of food. Huh. Like like oh, burgers, but like a burger covered with ice cream and hot fudge and then deep fried. Like you're pregnant. And then like, yeah, yeah like go crazy cravings. Um. But you won't feel super hungry, but then I would always go and binge, and then I'd have to, like, go through the keto flow again. So, wait, yeah. there's got to be, I mean, there's got to be a certain type of person that you must have encountered in the other survivors where you guys are all nuts. You're like, oh, oh we yeah. have to do this. Cr- it's such an extreme thing, I, but you must, I'm assuming you just, like, live it and love it? Yeah, well, I mean, you're very hyped up for it. You obviously, I mean, before they let you go out there, they first lock you in a hotel not too far from here. They lock you in a hotel. And I drive by it all the time. I'm like, oh, I remember when I was locked in that hotel oh for a week. Mm. Um, and basically, you're locked in your room the entire for a time. Week? Yeah, for a week. 
Huh. If you're lucky. Like, if you don't, they'll, like, start with 50 people, and then every meal you'll come back to, there'll be fewer and fewer people. They just oh, this is, like, a training thing. Well, yeah, well, yeah, it's casting. Um, So it's a week uh, long in a hotel with a battery of psychological examinations, physical examinations, interviews with producers. I mean, like, you, I think mean, that was the first time I met Mark Burnett. Like, they yeah. take you over to Radford, and you meet with, like, a room of CBS executives yeah. and have three minutes to charm them. Um, oh, wow. But most of the time, you're just locked in your hotel room with no information and nothing to do and you just sort of like pace around you, and go crazy there, you can't no phone no no they, no you have TV and phone oh, oh. there um, <laughs> but they sort of imply that your room is bugged and being monitored <laughs> it's not like yeah. it's very much not that would be illegal uh, yeah it? Right. probably would yeah. be illegal I think yeah uh, well, I don't know those those contracts and waivers that you sign. <laughs> right, like, yeah. you'd be surprised. But no, I you know it's interesting. It's it's been three three and a half years. Um, you know since even my seasons were were airing, and the perspective I have on it now is very different than the perspective I had on the time. Course, like obviously, yeah. I went as this big fan. I had this like sort of amazing experience where I played back to back and I was yeah. an all-star and then I had a story which sort of made me the most well-known person on either of my seasons um, and that meant a lot to me as someone who cared about Survivor but in the like intervening years uh, you know I I don't watch the show anymore uh, I have very complicated feelings about how they exploit people's mental health yeah. Uh, yeah, peculiarities sure. and then don't care for them afterwards mm-hmm. and it sort of starts this vicious cycle of people like feeling like they were famous for two minutes, and now the only way they can get it back is to go back and do it again and get more fucked up. And yeah. anyway, well, famously, what happened was um, in the tribe. What's the ceremony called? Sorry, tribal council. Sorry, tribal yeah. council. Right. Um, another contestant, Jeff Varner, who was on an, a much earlier. He was actually on the second season. Yeah, that's and right. And then he was on the thirty-second season as well. Got it. And he's openly huh. an openly gay man. Mm-hmm. Though the first two times he played, he was not openly gay. Oh right, that's right. I'm going. Oh my god. You're, I'm, my memory yeah. is racing. Well, it's, um, it's, it's fine. I mean, it's just my life, darling. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm but so, with the details. So anyway, so on in that episode, he outed you as trans and did so in a way that made it look like you were, quote unquote, keeping a secret. Right. Um, to some extent, I was, right? I was keeping something private. Um, but the the idea is he, he was getting voted out. He knew he was getting voted out. And to cast... And to say to, to encourage people not to trust me, he was like, you know, Zeke is is deceptive because he's not telling you that he's transgender. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, you know, the the use of deception against uh, someone disclosing their status as trans has historically like been used as the justification for violence, particularly against course, trans women of color. Absolutely. Right. Um, so it's like it's loaded with all this. Yeah, of course. Yes, like, um, but the you know sort of the save you know my saving grace was that everyone around me was like. This is a t- no. Like it's you're very terrible. Moving to, it's very moving to watch. It is. It's yeah. sort of like a 15 minute like cute little morality play. I will say it was. I mean, I hadn't. I watched it when it happened initially. Mm-hmm. I wasn't watching the show, but of course I watched that moment. Sure. And then watching it, I was just... trending on Facebook that day. Yeah. <laughs> What's Facebook? Um, <laughs> and just watching it recently before you know you coming here, I, it was. I, I got emotional watching it because there's this sort of someone does something. And they're not necessarily ill-intentioned. They're playing a game, but at the same time, they their intentions are very ill-intentioned, and they're very mean and and ignorant. And and the way you sat there and allowed 
which I think is a very queer mindset, your community. It's incredible. It was incredible to watch. Your community to then come to your defense because there is nothing you can do other than live in your truth. And you have nothing. You don't have to respond to this person who's being ignorant. Your community then, who aren't maybe necessarily queer, have to respond to that person because it's to them. It's their equal to say you're being. And they ignorant. were all moved. And they and yeah. it was it was very moving. It was it was a. I was surprised that Probst even seemed really pissed off that Varner had outed. Oh, him. I don't. He seems like a very like. Uh, in more, with the contestants and yeah, I well, everyone was on the same page. It was like this was wrong. This is you're, you shouldn't do this. Like, um, I think it's not so much that. I mean, I was in shock. Like, I oh, now that course. I understand like the clinical conditions of shock, I understand that's what my brain was going through. Uh, and then I sort of like came back, but like, thank God, everyone was on my side. Yes, thank God, Probst was on yes. my side. Thank God. Jeff Varner left, and like I didn't. You have to deal you, with you, him. You more. gave him. A, I mean, yeah. you you gave him a hug, which just showed a stoicism that is, you know, unparalleled. Honestly, it was like that's had incredible. Had you previously had a relationship with him on the show? No, we got. Um, so part of the thing is like you start on tribes and then you swap and you swap. Yeah. Um, we'd just been swapped together like three or four days before. Um, the the reason he knew that I was trans is that um, a a person who was a casting part of the cat, like a lower member of the casting who knew that I was trans, but wasn't like fully looped in on how like protected that information was told a reporter before my first season. And the mm. reporter didn't tell anybody except apparently Jeff Varner. Um, and then Varner like brought that information from this reporter into the game. That's it really does illustrate, I think, <laughs> wow. in a lot wow. of ways, sort of the, the toxic wow. nature of, and I think, I mean, we all can speak to this, of white, gay, male, sort of toxic masculinity in that there is this sort of idea of, like, I'm not, I'm just stating a fact. I'm not being ignorant. I'm not being, you know, transphobic or anything. I'm just stating a it's fact. It's informational. It's informational. And then, the, and then and you see him yeah. realize <clears throat> his toxic behavior in the moment and it's and that is even sobering to watch because absolutely it, it's the whole movement the whole moment is just so moving yeah and i you know i don't know if we were on I, I don't think we were recording yet but i mentioned that there has been sort of like survivor has tiptoed yet in, again into the like rip from the headlines and you know i've been made over the past few weeks to feel yet again like so grateful and thankful for the, all of the allies that I had at that tribal council mm -hmm. because in recent episodes of Survivor there has been a man who has been sexually harassing young women mm. on the and, show on the show like, um, openly yeah I mean wow. it's what like the show's allowing it to be aired right that's and disgusting yeah and then the, a young woman um, who I went to college with spoke up about it and was like I think we need to vote this guy off because he's making the other women feel uncomfortable wow um, and, and it's you know it's it's inappropriate touching so it's sort of like gray area stuff but it's you know he's touched young women all the women under 30 they have expressed that they don't want him to touch anymore and he has kept touching mm. and the show even was sort of like warned him though it's ambiguous about what that meant because it wasn't on camera but anyway CBS has had its own problems with that right and yeah. this is all you know happening in the summer when Moonrez is being fired and yes. regardless so this young woman is like I feel like we need to vote this guy out because he's making the young women feel uncomfortable and everyone's like yeah 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 like we agree and other young women are like yeah he's made me feel uncomfortable too but then 
they end up voting out the young woman who expressed discomfort with the man. Why? Oh, yikes. Um, and other young women, you know, sort of misrepresented their feelings, like they misrepresented their accusations. Um, and then the two people who defended the young woman who was being harassed immediately got voted out. And then when, so the guy, the harasser stays, not only stays in the game, but when the issue is brought back up subsequently and the young woman who has harassed has been voted out, it is now sitting on the jury. They let the dude talk and defend himself and they let everybody else talk and defend themselves but they make the young woman on the jury stay quiet and not like oh my give God. her side that of the story astounding wow. how is cbs the yeah. how is that happening I, I don't know and i'm surprised there has not been more outrage about it there has been some but i don't think enough but I, I also think part you know i think there are two parts of it one is that the bigger headline was about the young women who misrepresented the accusations mm-hmm. um the other thing is the guy who is harassed who, who the harasser mm-hmm. his name's dan spilo and he's a manager um and like he re- rep- reps cal Penn and he reps um mm-hmm. the young woman who is in uh the thing the the show with patricia arquette where there was the girl and she oh, was Joey not sick. yes Joey, yeah. yes he represents her yeah. um like he's an ep on sunnyside which is you know an nbc show um so yeah it's a very messy situation but which all of which is to say the morality tale which i got to experience i thank god that everyone's on my side and thank god the bad guy went away because I, I'm sort of like reliving watching this season. Like, what would have happened if that was not the yeah. case? Yeah. Have you spoken to Jeff Barnard? No, he since? doesn't particularly like me. After I watched the clip, it reminded me of. I looked him up, and he spouts a lot of like, no, you know, spiritual mumbo jumbo nonsense on Twitter and stuff, and just tries to very clearly make himself look like a, a, a I don't know, a guru an, or something. A what? A guru or something? Yeah, sort of like altruistic and, and you know, touchy-feely. But it's like, uh, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I guess the question is he like... He said some unkind things about me subsequently. Um, I, honestly, he has blocked me on social media, so I don't really know what he says. <laughs> um, but wow. look, I, it's... The balls. It's, it's this complicated situation where he was a guy who made, and I will say, like a rather egregious mistake. But because he did it on national television it sort of ruined his life like he was yeah. fired from his job and you know his public persona is you know forever marred mm-hmm. uh and he became the villain and i became the hero and i i think that it, i in 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 his mind it should be the opposite that i should be the villain and he should be the hero and like why does anyone have to be the villain I, that's the insane thing to me is that like this person made an egregious error in of judgment and should be reprimanded in the ways that he was reprimanded but like you know it's like i don't i I never really understand that with reality tv that there is this sort of villainous behavior this villainous edit you know does it feel like does it feel you know from your perspective as being there does it feel like there are these quote-unquote unfair edits that honestly most of the time that i feel uh, at least in my experience, that people had edits that were different from who they are. It was to make them better. Oh, oh interesting. interesting. As they made people who were like really annoying and obnoxious <laughs> were made to seem like <laughs> a lot like, we're like quirky and funny and yeah. cool. You know, I guess while watching this as well, I did have one sort of nefarious thought at one point was, do you, do you ever wonder or think 
that the producers might have sort of enabled that to happen. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Oh, I mean, this is sort of like a complicated thing, but I'm, I'm, I mean, <laughs> he wasn't <laughs> held back from saying it, right? Yes. Uh, was there knowledge that it it might happen? Sure, there certainly was. Yeah. Um, were they mad that it was going to happen? I don't think so. Um, you know, I think if they wanted to stop it, they they could have. If they, you know, didn't want to make it a moment, um, when he said something, they could have been like, oh, "We're not going to talk about this." But you know, we look. It's this weird thing where we we let it play out, and then I waited nine months and for it to oh, air. Right, right. right. just like I came home, and you know they. I am like the one of the few people that they actually like paid to like go to therapy, which is yeah. good. Yeah. Um, and I've worked out. How many weeks? Do you get like a year of therapy? They gave they gave me a year. They oh, give nice. most people like you can fight for like four sessions, but <laughs> like the show therapist sat me down and was like, "Look, honey, we need you to go find a therapist. We need you to find someone expensive, and we you need you to go every week." And I was yeah. like, "Great." Um, I found a great guy in New York. If you need a therapist recommendation in New York, let me know. Got it. My boyfriend did a play back in New York for like a couple of months, and I went back to New York with him, and I like re-upped with my old therapist. And As was like, you do. Let's mm, let's sure. go. Let's go kick around some old cobwebs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was this wild. You know, it changed. It changed my. It, it changed, your life, changed my I'm life. Assuming, yeah. I I, um, I I not only. Because look, I was a person who no one essentially knew was trans, and now I am one of the more visible transgender men in the world, and I'm like exceedingly comfortable with being that, which is not something I could ever really imagine. Did you feel that um, in the moment, like that nine month period between the moment yeah, happening and it airing? Did you ever have a sense of like this could do some good? Uh, yeah, I think that was part of the impetus of trying to do the best I could because mm-hmm. I was not a person who spoke publicly about being trans um, and had to learn how to do that. Yeah. I like had meetings monthly with uh, this dude, Nick Adams from GLAAD, who's their director of transgender media. And yeah. is like the reason why people talk about trans people responsibly in media, like across mm-hmm. the board, he mm-hmm. does magic. Um, and like I had homework and like classes and lessons and had to like write and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite um, the, the piece that I had for the Hollywood reporter. Um, but that was the goal was to right like turn it was i think to not so much like do something altruistic as it was don't let the headline be trans guy was outed on survivor yeah. mm-hmm. right like don't let it don't don't be the victim mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. claim this own this don't you yeah. know um in that piece you wrote for the hollywood reporter you made i thought it was such an interesting point that i had never considered was that you said coming out for a gay person is the exact opposite reaction of coming out for a trans person, which is these days when you come out as a gay person, it's like this celebration. It's this, you get a parade now and, and it's the opposite when you come out as trans because sometimes people look at you differently. Even some of your supporters and your friends will look at you and treat you differently. Mm-hmm. And I'd never, I'd never like articulate, I hadn't considered it that way, but. Yeah. Well, I think there's also no, when someone like tells you that they're gay, look, I've come out as LGBT and Q in my day. I've really, <laughs> You've really done it all. run the gamut. Um, you know, when you say like, you know, look, I'm I'm gay. Like, there that doesn't require anything from anyone. They're like, oh, okay. So now I'm gonna ask if you're dating a boy instead of dating a <laughs> right. girl. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but whereas when you like you say like I'm trans, you're asking someone to refer to you by new pronouns, to refer to you by a new name, which like 
for some reason is really difficult for people to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and when I was doing it, it required people to have like a shift in their perspective. Now I think people like get what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, though I think the more equivalent to be like, you know, now when people come out as non-binary, people are like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. They is a plural pronoun. Like, <laughs> people get all yeah. like huffy about it. Um, <sighs> Which is so yeah. silly because it's like, you know, a woman gets married and she wants to take Mrs. instead of Miss. You have no problem saying Mrs. Why is this such a hard thing for people to change language? We change our language every single day based on people's behaviors and reactions mm-hmm. and the way we mm-hmm. live our lives. It's sure. like if someone tells you something, it's not hard to it change people. Hard, yeah. Well, right. I think it's it's more, right? Everything stems from insecurity. I yeah. think most queer people who are struggling with like non-binary and sort of fluid identities think like, oh, well, what does this say about me? Yeah. Right. Or what do trans? You have to worry about that, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm gay. Do people think I'm a woman? Like, right. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. I mean, your perspective, your your experience is particularly interesting in that you were kind of forced into becoming a a, um, the face of something. In a way that was that seemed. I mean, I'm not not to speak for you, but it seemed clearly unpleasant at first, and certainly. Un, you know, wasn't asked for. Yeah, but you know, I'm a survivor guy, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good point. Right? Like, I like, I like the, I like the adventure. I like. Yeah. I'm curious um, too, like, it's brought. in terms of like, like to speak a little bit more to Alan's point, like seeing a a, a cis white gay guy do something so um, unkind and and thoughtless, mean and mean. I wonder, like, do, as a as a trans person, do you find that often in the community do you find there to be like um you know a barrier well, it's been it's been very interesting i have noticed an extreme shift over the past three years um so i i think as you've probably picked up like in addition to being trans i'm also gay and like i did have my lesbian time but now like very much very much into the in the cock and the hole and all that <laughs> the whole gross <laughs> Girl, some of us got two. Like it just, you know, um, holes, holes. Just the word hole, guys. Hole. Yeah. You know, many years ago, it was a problem, and there was a problem with like the cis white gay guys and yada yada. Um, now, in the past three years, I find that when I'm in a romantic situation and it's leading to something sexual, and I'm like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm trans no one bats an eye most of the time like fellas have all the lingo down if they haven't been there done that before like everyone's interested no one has a problem like it's yeah there's great been a lack of issue good but i would also say that that i spend most of my fooling around time um in like the barrier cubbier world Mm -hmm. which i think tends to be a bit more body inclusive yes Mm -hmm. so i can't say it's you know i've only had a few uh, hookups begin at you know something like the Abbey or something. Sure, yeah, yeah. sure. Famous so, gay bar, yeah. Yeah, I've only had hookups with like rejection there. Like that's the, <laughs> that's literally the most I've hooked up with at the Abbey. I stuck my hand down a flight attendant's pants at the Abbey. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, fly those friendly, friendly still, skies down below. He still sends me dick pics every now. Oh, and oh wow. Good for him. Yeah. Well, um, thank you. No, wait, so, I have, oh, wait, sorry. Yeah. Just a couple more questions that have nothing to do with being trans. Sure. I promise. I actually, um, like, I used to be weird about it, but now I'm like, let's spread the gospel. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I have a, a friend of mine who is obsessed with Survivor, wanted to know, um, do you get to brush your teeth? 
No, but you have little, like, you get little twigs of bamboo and you sort of scrape your teeth. But also you're not really ingesting anything, so your teeth aren't yeah. getting as dirty as they would in the real Like world. if you drank, like, a Mountain Dew or something. <laughs> right. It's not like... Yeah. Um, do you practice making fire before you go on the show? I did, and I am. I I've made fire with like the bamboo. I didn't even make it with the thing. Oh. I made that. With the you real? You did? Yeah, I bought a bundle of bamboo from Home Depot, and I had a little outdoor space in New York because that's that where you still live. And I bought a machete, oh. and I would like pra- I would like hack up the machete and practice making so fire. Rusty. Oh my god! Do immunity idols look as easy to find as they seem? They always look like they're in the trunk of a weird looking tree. Well, I never found one, so <laughs> okay. clearly I thought they were extraordinarily difficult to find. Um, you know, there's sort of a belief amongst survivor players that the people who are supposed to find idols do. Mm. Okay. And finally, do we like Jeff Probst? Oh, a sigh. Wow, oh, my goodness. I used to love Jeff. I used to think very highly of him. But the way he has handled the current situation um, with sexual harassment on the show, you know, he's really fallen in my eyes. Huh. Oh. Wow. That's fascinating because Brent, you were asking, you made a point before about Jeff, and he really he's become an EP of he was he was a host at first, but mm-hmm. as with all as time has yeah. gone yeah, on, he's become, showrunner. Yeah, yeah, he's a yeah. showrunner. Of he the like show. he fired the director of casting, who was the only woman in a senior position on the show, um, and now is like. In, in charge of casting, that's like, wild. He, it's like, like an Andy I think, Cohen move. Yeah, yeah, I think he recently like stormed the promotions department and was like, "I'm going to take over promos too." Wow! Oh, Remember wow. when that pick yeah. came out with his his dick pick came out? I do. <laughs> I and don't. It was, oh no! Was it good? Yeah, I think it's photoshopped. I don't. Yeah, I think oh, you're right. Wow. I don't think it's. <laughs> I'm going to go do, do some research. Yeah, but um, yeah, in the meantime, right. thank you so much for being yeah, here. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Where can people thanks. follow you? They can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Zekerchief, which is Z-E-K-E-R-C-H-I-E-F. And if you happen to be going to the Sundance Film Festival mm-hmm. this January, a documentary that I am part of called Disclosure. Will um, is, was just selected. It's playing on the 27th at 11.30. Fantastic. Great. Congratulations. Yeah, thank thanks. Thanks so much. And another thing. So let's say you're in Berlin, you've drunk a beer, you had a pretzel, and now you're out seeing the sights, right? One of your stops is to the Memorial of Murdered Jews of Europe, a 19,000. It is a real thing. Yeah. Uh, a 19,000 square meter site designed by architect Peter. Eisenman. I always screw up his name. And basically, it's 2,711 concrete slabs arranged on a slope, and it's next to the Jewish Museum, which is one of the largest Jewish museums in the world. Um, It's emotionally moving, and you're like, oh, I've got to share this moment on Instagram. (laughs) Guys, And it's on on the burial ground, right? No. Oh, it's not. Um, What do you do? Um, Um, I, I don't think... Maybe, uh, maybe I Is this a trick take question? a picture. Maybe <laughs> well, I take a picture so of it, but I also you guys find that know. I don't know. I, f- I would, I I find it too um, ghoulish to even take a picture of it. To be honest, mm. uh, as you guys know, there's over the years there's been a lot of sort of heat around people taking posing for pictures, selfies, etc. Mm-hmm. At this memorial, um, the memorial for murdered Jews of Europe. Uh, I, I I say that intentionally, even though people think that that's like being really harsh, but that is actually the title of the memorial. Yeah, right. And it, I think it's important to note that it is not a memorial for 
the gypsies that were murdered or for the political activists that were murdered or for the LGBTQ people that were murdered. It is a memorial for the murdered Jews of Europe. Six million, baby! Next to the Jewish Museum, which tells Mm -hmm. the history of the Jewish people with a large part of it being the Holocaust. And when... These people, these people have posted pictures in the past. They've received backlash. Mayor Pete Buttigieg recently, his husband a few years ago, posted a picture of Pete Buttigieg walking through the concrete slabs. And the caption just said this guy and with a sort of a like a heart, like he was being loving to his husband or I think then fiance. I'm not sure. And um, a recent guest, Max Emerson, also recently got into a lot of heat for posting a picture. And even in his post, he wasn't his wasn't necessarily like a model pose or anything. It was just him, his boyfriend or fiance, I forget, p- took a picture of him uh, with the concrete slabs behind him. Mm. And he says, I took this one in Berlin. And it, his intention was to bring light to whatever. Well, to not to, too many people. I think he said something about people are forgetting. People or, are forgetting. And I, I think the Holocaust. what I think what I think his intentions were probably good. But <laughs> honestly, what people are forgetting to do is Google. Um, it is not necessarily even though people make the argument often that it's not sacred ground and that it is it is a memorial that people can and Peter Eisenman did has said many times yeah, he's, he's a really me. he's a really complicated yeah, figure but he said many times that people it's a public memorial and people can use it as they will but that said for me as a Jew and I think Elliot you would probably also mm-hmm. agree with this that oh well but in terms of in terms of talking about sort of Jewish history Sometimes the things that become sacred are the unintentional areas of life and history that make something sacred. So, uh, 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 you know, Dachau is not a sacred ground because of the Holocaust. It's a sacred ground because millions of people were lost their lives, murdered and, were murdered, yeah. and, 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 it, and, and then because of what was done to people, it becomes a sacred ground. And because of how people look at this memorial of murdered Jews, it, it, it Ellie Weisel um, said that not all victims were Jews, but all Jews were victims. And that's a really interesting. Think about that. Not all Jews were victims, but all victims, all Jews were victims. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. And it that's a. Because you're impacted by it. Mm-hmm. And then people push back, and which Max did. He pushes back saying that you know LGBTQ people also were murdered. So and Max, fact, after posting this picture. Yes. Well, he got himself. a lot of shit for he it. He got a lot of shit and for it. And it was very interesting for, I mean, for me as a Jew, but also like having had him on the podcast. and um, it's hard. It was hard for me. We texted about yeah. this a lot. It was emotionally very difficult for me to... It's always difficult for me to see this because I, I do see the sacred ground. I think it's appropriate to talk about you being there and even maybe even to take a picture of the actual memorial right. I think is appropriate but inserting uh, my opinion is if you insert yourself into a picture here or a picture I mean as a New Yorker the, the 9-11 memorial creeps me out and yeah, being able sure. to tag these places and well, ta- I don't know there's just something and you have people going to these Jews going to the this memorial saying the Kaddish prayer the prayer for the dead right. and yeah. so then people make the LGBT, LGBTQ argument but there is quite literally across the street an LGBTQ memorial that that is often vandalized mm-hmm. but it is a memorial for the murdered LGBTQ people and in fact people forget when the concentration camp were liberated, most people in prison for homosexuality were thrown back into prison because it was still seen as a crime. Yeah. Uh So all you need to do is Google to know that maybe this is this this area is steeped in such a sacred emotional sort of 
place in people's hearts and minds. And it, it conjures up so much that if someone from that community then says to you, this offends me because I'm a part of this victim group, then you respect that. You well, take it down. I don't know. I, I, you know, yeah. I mean, I, f- needless to say, I, 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 w- I wouldn't take a picture of myself, this old mug, at uh, the <laughs> murdered Jews, uh, memorial to the murdered Jews of Europe. But I don't know. I, I, I actually, I, I thought this was a little tougher for me because it's just how our world, world works. I don't like it. I don't like how our, our world works now with Instagram and social media. But I guess some people think putting their face in a picture at this memorial is yeah is doing the I don't is, think is, yeah is, I don't think Max was ill intention yeah. I don't think it. so either I just also I agree with you where it's the world we live in but I I, I also but the world we live I, in I, also I, shames people and I think people in this respect <clears throat> it isn't I don't I don't view it as shaming but they deserve to be shamed for to, it yeah to to at least be made aware that I mean with Max uh, um he posted a sort of clapback, I guess, where he said something about like direct directing your misguided rage elsewhere. Yeah. And um, as a Jew, I as a That's Jewish not person, what you say. Yeah. I, I thought, well, you know, it's it's not the rage is not misguided. Yeah. It, you know, and to be offended, you know, is completely valid. It would be like a white person going to the area, the museum where Martin Luther King was murdered. And taking a picture on that balcony or taking a tour of that area and and posing in that area, it's just disrespectful. And if a if a if an African American person then says to you after they post an African American friend of yours sees that picture on your Instagram and says, Listen, this that's emotionally difficult for me. And I I You wouldn't I, call I, that misguided. You wouldn't call that misguided. You would take <clears throat> it down because <clears throat> I think in some ways it I hate to say it, but it's I think Jews are often pushed they're they're sort of uncomfort with things like these pictures at the memorial for the murdered Jews of Europe. Those disagreements or objections are sometimes pushed aside because yeah. they're not seen as warranted when it's in reality it's like this is even though it's not a burial ground and it's not a there's you know this there was no camp here there was no prison camp here it still has become an unintentional sacred space. And to Brent's point it's like the I think the idea of being and it's so common now but the idea of being like i'm at a place i need a picture of myself here as proof mm-hmm. and i and i don't think it's necessarily ill-intentioned i just it's not something that i do personally but i do think that when you're on when you're at a place like this or or you know i think like, it's just it, it you, i don't know i you, feel like it's like you sh- it's a better to you know, know what's weird is, wrong. is when someone dies now like someone dies suddenly mm-hmm. and uh, maybe you go to their Facebook page, maybe you go to their siblings or, yeah. or yeah. Facebook page and they're like, hey, you know, just so you know, we found out uh, our sister died uh, oh, last know. night. And then you read the comments. Yeah, on, the, on their wall or and something. And it'll be like emoticons I, and I ag- it's yes. poorly, like misspelled words. Couldn't and agree it, with and it's you such, more. it's such a bizarre sideshow that you're like, why... Why would you write condolences and not spell check it? And it's like it doesn't. And why would you minimize? You're minimizing to an an emoji. The person who's writing this 
isn't being disingenuous no, no. via my own, <clears throat> by, by no one's standards, but my own, I'm saying, how could you be such a clod that in this person's <laughs> time of like tragedy, yeah. you're putting the cry, the cry emoji, emoji on their on their page. I couldn't agree but with you more. But that's just how some people function. Yes. Well, and I also think and that doesn't mean of, they're monsters, of like, course. Like years ago, I, I, I always hated, one of the things I hated about Facebook from the very beginning was that people have an obsession with wishing you a happy birthday. <laughs> Publicly, publicly wishing you a happy birthday, sure. and I hate it. I hate it. I, I, not that I hate my birthday. I just hate this fake, false merriment of you, who I've never spoken with or maybe spoken with twice in yeah, the year, right. are wishing me a happy right. birthday. You don't give a fuck about yeah, me. The robot profiles and, and everything. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so I disabled the ability for people to write on my wall. And what I find so interesting every year, without fail, and I've been doing this since. I disabled my wall in 2012 when I was sitting in chemo because people wow. were putting messages on my wall because I found the social You're brave. the social sort of um, uh, currency currency that they yeah. get from being publicly sort of aware of your issue one. or your thing. They yeah. want to like it. They want they want to be recognized for yeah. being valued. They want to be seen as compassionate. And yeah. I took that away from them and people then on my birthday particularly get angry. I'll have comments <laughs> on random pictures being like, I can't write on your wall so I'm commenting here. Happy birthday. Yeah, and it's, so funny. it's just and then on my birthday now people will message me which I think is more appropriate. And maybe I'm an asshole, but I just won't you respond are. to any of them. <laughs> so I, uh, this year I noticed thank you, in Messenger. Thank you, thank you, thank yeah, you. I, I, have, I have 10 years of happy birthday from people <laughs> yeah. that I've never messaged. Thank you, from thank you. From some comedian in South Dakota. Yeah, someone yeah, I random right, met. Right. And I'm, I, I love that they want to wish me happy birthday. That's yeah. great. I'm never going to wish you happy birthday ever right, in my life because right. I don't give a yeah. fuck. I give a fuck about you as a human being. Sure, I don't want any harm to happen to you, but but there is a public a public sort of acceptance and currency that yeah. they get from taking pictures at places like this yeah. or mourning someone's loss. They want to be seen well, as, this, yeah. I care. This made me think, like, this, just, this particular yeah. example made me think, like, you're, to your point, it's so true. It's like, it just hit me from this one post, quite honestly, the mm -hmm. idea that now... You know, we've talked about, as Max talked about, like, thirstivism, yeah. the idea of being, like, an activist. I think that what is ramping up to be just as similar or quote-unquote race mm -hmm. is the race to be seen as the most compassionate. Yeah. And I'm and I'm baffled by that as being a new, you know, a new sort of conduit to popularity is yeah. to be seen as the most thoughtful. Because you could see in the comments, people were like, what about this? What about yeah. that? And it was like, we're aware of this. I raise awareness about that. And it's like, yeah. at some point, it just feels like a show. It's like you're not listening. Correct. You're, you're, you're wanting to spread awareness, but in fighting back on it, you're actually doing the opposite of spreading awareness. But then I, I always think when you're saying that, and just in general, there's this line from Girls Trip. Regina Hall tells, who's the woman from Grey's Anatomy? She's really funny. Oh, Kate Walsh. Kate Walsh. She's great. Um, and Kate Walsh is saying lots of sort of Sister, like, yeah, she's, yeah, she's yeah. trying to appropriate. And um, and Regina Hall says in a really funny way, where are they at? They're uh, the BET. Because you wanted to go to it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the Essence Fest. The Essence Fest, yeah. Which I love that you wanted to go to the Essence Fest. Um, but music. Uh, he, Regina Hall says, you are a guest in this space. Please act respectful and accordingly, which I think says so much. And so I, much. And you know what? I said I, I, I had a direct message with with Max texting back and forth about sort of my own reservations with this post and how I felt about it. And I said uh, uh, basically that, that you are in that space a guest because it is the memorial for the murdered Jews of Europe. You are a guest in that space. And when Jews say to you, this makes me uncomfortable because of X, Y, Z, 
you have to listen because you are a guest. It is not mm -hmm. about you pushing awareness. It is about the people who are most impacted by that space and how they feel about what you're doing in that space. And if there's reservations, listen, hear it, act accordingly. And that's why to me the idea of, again, I don't <clears throat> think Max is a monster by any either. means. I just think the choice to put yourself in the picture, a picture at a memorial for it's the, the same with the murder of yes. Well, I guess we'll see when when Instagram finally does away with likes, as they've yeah. been professing to Mine do. Mine are soon. gone. Oh wow! Yeah, I've seen I've seen it happening because I have my account and then Sadie Pines, and then I also run our account. And but, I, I'm noticing that they're they're gone. I mean, you see them on your own account, but when you visit like yeah. another account, they're gone. But point being, when Instagram get, does does goes away with them, Max and others no longer have to worry about getting those likes. So we'll see if he continues putting his face in, in we'll see. pictures of him surrounded by graves or what. But hey, guys, don't take a picture at the Memorial for the Murder Jews of Europe. Thanks. And also the Museum of 9-11 or whatever. Fuck that <laughs> shit. Yeah. So creepy. What would your aunt say? Uh, Brent, what would your Aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's podcast? I wish TikTok would suppress this podcast because you keep making fun of me. <laughs> My Aunt Joanne would say, no Jew does survivor. That's for goys. <laughs> Alan, how about uh, Aunt Anne? My Aunt Anne would say, you know, I try to keep up with things and I tried to send a TikTok the other day, but I accidentally sent a picture on LinkedIn. I didn't even know I had LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. I am H. Allen Scott. Star Bands Audio, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.